Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Michael Donnelly of Twin Peaks Sessions. We talked about Ceremony's 2010 album, Ronert Part, and about growing with the band as they changed their sound throughout the years. We also talk about Michael's video series, Twin Peaks Sessions, in San Francisco, and his recent move back to New Jersey. More on that in a bit. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get an exclusive episode every week. Really sincerely helps us keep doing what we're doing, and we super appreciate your support. So check that out. Okay, no delays. Let's chat with Mike. Hey Mike, how's it going? Josh, good morning. It's uh, early on a Saturday. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. It is, but you're an early riser and you know this is the best way to start a day. Good old pod. Well, the best thing to do when you wake up early is to do nothing. I think that's usually the point sure. of me waking up at around 7.30, um, kind of on accident. I mean, I try not to, but it's like, I think really my my dog has it out for me and just like wants to steal my spot in the bed, and then I just <laughs> let her, and then yeah. I kind of just don't do anything once I'm up for a few hours. Except now I'm filling that time with doing a podcast with you. So uh, we are talking about Ceremonies album Ronert Park from 2010, and that came out on Bridge Nine Records, and it was produced by Dan Rathbun, who recorded still nothing moves you and what i'll ask is when was the first time you heard ceremony or this album classic spinning out question that i prepared for and i had to remember <laughs> this because it was kind of it was kind of weird well i wish i discovered ceremony like at their their peak start 2006 2007 ish and then obviously runner park 2010 but i discovered ceremony probably only five years ago and that was around the same time I got interested in DIY. And it's it's kind of a funny story because one of the first DIY bands that I discovered and really liked, they're called Monster Watch. They're from Seattle. And they had posted a, a show update that they were playing with the band Ceremony. And they, were, they said, like, Ceremony's a band we've always looked up to. We've always modeled our sound after them. This is so huge for us. We hope everyone can come out to this gig. And I didn't know who Ceremony was, but it was one of those... Like, I'm viewing the story maybe, like, six or eight hours later, so there was a follow-up story. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look up Ceremony, but now I'm going to click the next story um, on Monster Watch's Instagram. And it was like, update, um, the ceremony we're playing with is a different ceremony. Um, still stoked for the show, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, now I have two ceremonies I want to look up. Um, so I go to Spotify, and mm -hmm. I find what is presumably you know the the big the quote-unquote big ceremony um and i listened to um a song off there oh you know what this was probably 2000 because when did um the last one with turn away the bad thing and um it was like their record well their most recent um in the spirit world now 2019 yes. that came out on relapse 
So this had to have been 2019 then, because that album had just come out. So I was like, oh, new album. This is this is you know one of the active ceremonies. So I listened to yeah, it was Turn Away the Bad Thing in the Spirit World Now, and I was like, okay, kind of gothy, you know, a little Joy Division sounding. This is probably not the ceremony that this band is playing with. And then I listened to a different ceremony track, and it was their earlier, you know, their earlier stuff off off Violence Violence. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I think Spotify is is incorrect. <laughs> it's like it's layering both of these. You know when that happens sometimes? It'll be yeah. like new song from Sugar, like Bob Mold's band. And oh, it's yeah, like yeah. a hip like that's a classic example. It's just some some like EDM dance act called Sugar. So I thought like that was happening with Ceremony, that there was two two bands on the same Spotify file. And then I was like really I was really digging both of the stuff. And then I like read their bio and I read reviews and it was very much like ceremony changes directions in in new 2019 record. Um, And I never found out. So I put together that, okay, these are the same ceremonies, but I never found the the other ceremony that was playing this DIY gig. But that's how I found ceremony. And from then they've become, you know, arguably probably my favorite band, my favorite California band. Um, and just like my, I guess a nice introduction to hardcore, specifically loving the record we're going to talk about today, Ronard Park, which is a branch away from the earlier power violence hardcore to more of mm-hmm. the hardcore that's really more, to me, like accessible yeah. in a way. But yeah. Yeah. I, with getting into them, it was probably around the time this record came out. And. I believe that if I'm, yeah, so or actually I think mainly I it's like I knew who they were during Roanoke Park era, but I wasn't like a huge fan because I still had this idea of like a, like a true power violence kind of thing, which sounds funny to say, mm-hmm. but there's like certain types of bands that were kind of coming up that were kind of doing a power violence kind of style. But if they weren't like kind of OG power violence or just had the aesthetic down hard, <laughs> then I wasn't I wasn't super into it. Uh, but as really, I think Zoo is when it kind of clicked for mm-hmm. me. And I was like, oh, this is like kind of just like California punk yeah. in a way that a lot of that record sounds like like Circle Jerks mixed with like adolescence and stuff, but even has like a little bit more going on in terms of like post-punk stuff they don't like push it out as far as they do on like the most recent record or l-shaped man mm-hmm. so and and also like late bloomer at that time like we got to open for them like one of our first shows probably and no way. um yeah sick i'm so invested in that now what year was that it was i think it was uh it was 2012 so it was like the first year of us being a band and we were really bad um but it was just like and and it could have been 2013 but i believe it was 2012 because i remember the poster being like just like a zoo promo poster Uh uh-huh and um you know i think we were also curious like like kind of where their sound was going versus like what their sound was you know and kind of like how you could like weave that together you know, which sounds funny in hindsight with like how many like kind of directions they've gone in now. Oh yeah. But personally, it was it was kind of my big introduction into the band, or at least like as a fan. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess when you started 
going back, you said in the spirit world now. So this one you feel like kind of clicked more. Ronert Park clicked more with your sensibilities at the time. Yeah, for sure. Because it was like, I I mean, I've always loved, you know, that new order, that industrial kind of mm-hmm. dance, goth, you know, whatever was with the newer album. But to me, what really clicked, because if I compare it to the band that I was loving that I mentioned earlier, Monster Watch, they were very much like that kind of like bark punk, which kind of how I would describe like the band Military Gun. Like you could call yeah. it hardcore, but it's to me, it's just more accessible where it's like more on that like alternative spectrum of hardcore. Um, so for sure, Roner Park, when I heard um, Into the Wayside Part 1 slash Sick, that buildup just was, to me, like I had never heard of that, like a long buildup and then into that drum beat and when the bass kicks in. That to me is probably the best way to start off um, a record of, of any record um, that I've liked. So immediately to me, I was so hooked on this record strictly mm-hmm. because of how it starts. Yeah, I mean, it starts out really good. I, I'm also, I guess I'm kind of thinking too about just my hangups with them being considered like a power violence band because I think even when Roner Park came out, I was like, I don't really hear it. You know, and I think yeah. sometimes it's just like, you know, it wasn't that they weren't into things like Infest and other kind of uh, power violence bands, but I don't, I don't feel like if you look at the whole scope of their career, like they were just trying to be that one thing. I mean, that's very clear now. Yeah. 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 And so there were kind of a type of hardcore kid that was just like, Oh, do you like power violence? And then kind of like, they would be like, Oh, you know, I like ceremony. It was kind of <laughs> almost like the, the joke at the time. And, you know, and it was, it was like, you almost like blame it on the band, but it's like, they can't help that. <laughs> yeah. No, I've yeah. I've loved how they've evolved. Like, I loved Zoo, and then, um, what was it, uh, the L-Shaped Man as mm-hmm. well. Like, just that, like, eerie, like, there's some, like, piano-y, even, like, not acoustic, but it's just slow tracks. I've, I've loved everything that Ross has done. I mean, we'll get into his other projects eventually, but I just, yeah, this is a band that, you know, people will and you can see it at live shows. I've gotten to see them a few times that people will go nuts, you know, when they'll play cursed and like obviously sick and, and doldrums and all those songs. And then they'll play, you know, the newer stuff and, you know, the synths out and it's more dancey and it's a lot of more, you can tell the audience is, all right, I'm going to the bathroom or I'm just going to stand and kind of sway. It's just such a different total vibe of the show, but I think they pull it off where, you know, they, they put on their homesick fest every year and I finally got to go to one. I know you have bands like Gulch, you know, played before them and, you know, a wild set where there's literally four different mosh pits. And then for ceremony, you'll have the one big pit and then they'll break off into the slower songs or quote unquote slower songs. And it's just the vibe is different. But overall, as a band, I wouldn't be like, oh, they, they you know, they don't know how to define themselves. Like, I think they know exactly what they're doing and just the way they've evolved. I've, you know, I've always loved it. They even sell shirts like I like the new ceremony. Like they they're aware of you know what <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's happened and whatnot, but I am, yeah I I dig all of it. Yeah, I feel like around the time that you know I saw, I don't think I've seen them since uh, 2012, and it was there was a little bit of like a difference even then of how people responded, but the sounds weren't like so crazy different. But the way people would go off for like kind of violence, violence era stuff. You know, I feel 
it's always been strange to kind of like like a band but only really like like one era of them especially like a band that is always trying like a new thing you know like mm-hmm. it's whatever if you want to just like jump off on a band and go some live somewhere else yeah. you know but like it's yeah, it's kind of i feel like what you signed up for with like being a fan of this band you know to come go on that journey with them and as i get older i feel like when in the spirit world now came out i was like oh this is where i am right now so you almost feel like you're like growing with the band and i like that yeah no i like because there there has been bands or i'm exactly like that i like a the first the only band that comes to mind right now is mercury rev i love their earliest records and then when that leaves lead singer left his name is david baker when he left and it's kind of an insane story look up their wikipedia someday of Mm -hmm. like where mercury rev started with with this man david baker and when he left he just crazy stories about him but I love that like psychedelic era of Mercury Rev, and then you know they they're a very successful band without him. Um, and I guess people could have a similar thing with Faith No More. Obviously, the Mike Patton era is like the Faith No More people talk about. But before then, in like late '80s, you know, We Care a Lot, and those those to me kind of a different band with a different lead singer. But again, with Ceremony, it was always Ross. You know, it was always, as far as I know, the same core members but it's just a drastic change. Yeah, I'm thinking about that with, with Mercury Rev. Kind of one of the things is I end up like seeing their posters and just you almost like like I see them a lot like they it feels like they had an era where they were kind of opening everything. But mm-hmm. I I kind of ask myself, I'm like who listens to this band? And I always like forget <laughs> to and it's, I don't say that in any way that I've even like put any time but it's like I've never heard anyone talk to me about like their love of Mercury Rev. You know, oh, it just feels yeah. like a name I've heard forever, and it's like, oh, okay. But yeah, that's so that's interesting that you yeah. you're telling me to go check out their Wikipedia page. You know, so that you're oh you're look deep at the early years, and I'll give a, a quick snippet for the listeners who don't who don't want to who you know don't want to look up Mercury Rev. But one, listen to their song "Chasing a Bee." That's one of my all time favorite songs. Um, but just crazy stories like they would often get kicked off of festivals because they would just break the decibel level of like what, you know, what everything wanted. They'd be breaking PAs, just I think arguably one of the loudest live bands, you know, eventually to their demise. And just the singer, there was a whole incident of him on a plane and he got into a fight and something about wanting to stab another member with like a fork, like on a plane. Like, very weird folklore of just the demise of this band. Um, and I've always tried to look up the the initial lead singer, and he's still alive, and he's put out kind of weird, you know, weird solo stuff. Um, hmm. But it's just that, those first two Mercury Rev records, which would have been, I want to say, 90 and 92, um, those, and I'm curious the flyers you're seeing, if it's when he was with the band, because they were kind of touring nonstop with him, again to their demise they just did not bode well with each other but Mm -hmm. that is they're a wild band to just look up their old youtube videos and i yeah i'm glad we're talking about mercury rev and ceremony (laughs) but (laughs) yeah well now i'm gonna take on another thing because you said you said faith no more so uh just to kind of you know chuck mosley was that first singer yes from 84 to 88 and then like did did some stuff with them, it says 2015, 2016, but I know he sadly passed away 
He did recently. die. Yeah, maybe a few, f- maybe four, five years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder about that reunion with it. But one thing I'm looking, I've never heard about this, is that it's saying that Courtney Love in '83 to '84 did vocals for the band, but is on no recording. So I don't know if someone just put that there on Wikipedia or for if Faith that No More. Is, yeah, which is very <laughs> interesting because that's saying that she joined them before Chuck Mosley. So that's really interesting because if you look yeah. at like Faith No More, they were a band starting in 1979, and uh-huh. I believe they were just like under a different name. So it was Sharp Young Men and Faith No Man. <laughs> and then kind of it became like it really you could say like the band became what it was when like Chuck joined the band. So, yeah. Yeah. So there are kind of like those people that are like Chuck people versus Mike Patton people, mm-hmm. um, you know. But but yeah, it's like if you compare it to Ceremony, it's like they've done that. They've done that, but all essentially with the same members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've done all those changes that people kind of prescribe to like different singers or either like. Yeah. People do this thing with like Braid where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, when the this drummer left and it became this other drummer, I'm off after that. You know, and I'm like, Do you does it matter that much? Yeah. You know, it's it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. And then for the so. very generic example, it's like the early Blink one eighty two and then the Travis mm-hmm. Barker where people will be like, I blanking on his name, was it Scott the early Blink drummer? Scott Rayner? Yeah. yeah, Scott Rayner. Yeah, yeah. Well, or like you'll see like a Reddit comment. Well, Blink was was better with Scott Rayner, and you know it just it's just it's always yeah it's all the opinion stuff. But that that's one thing where like I love that early era Blink. Yeah, you know I really do. But I'm not gonna you know parade on it's because of Scott Rayner. But yeah, yeah it's just <laughs> like I think a lot of times like I think this this does kind of dovetail back into ceremony. I think sometimes we kind of pick early eras for almost arbitrary reasons like if we look into it and it's it's fine if things need to be like nostalgia there's so many things i hold on just for that purpose Mm -hmm. but it's like i feel like it would be silly to say that blink 182 was better with scott but i understand people's like nostalgia for like feeling like it was more their thing in that time frame exactly yeah i think that's the perfect way to put it and so I think when like Violence Violence came out and up until so basically like I think when Ceremony joined Matador on the next album, Zoo, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it kind of became less of like we'll say our thing, but you know, we weren't really front and center. But anyone that kind of felt like it's almost like that that newer generation's view of like a band selling out. And I think some people kinda of jumped off when they went from Bridge Nine to matador because it's it's like it's not our band anymore it's the world's band yeah you reminded yeah. me of a hilarious youtube comment that i found <laughs> yesterday um when i was you know doing my research getting ready for the pod i found an anthony fantano review of the song hysteria when it came oh, out which um which he didn't like and then somebody in the comments because this was it was uh, it was Matador, right? For some reason, in my head, it was Merge. It was Matador that they signed yeah. off for this one. Um, and somebody commented, like, when Fucked Up, the band joined Matador, like, they became amplified. When Ceremony joined the band Matador, they became neutered. And it was such, like, a a weird, like, 
what? Wait, but so it kind did, of <laughs> did Anthony Fantano say that, or did someone uh, in the comments? No, no, no. no. Anthony Fantano didn't say that. Um, I kind of okay, wish he okay. did. I wish he, that I feel was like recorded. he would. It's not like out yeah. of the realm. <laughs> oh, know? not at all. Yeah. Not at all for the for the melonhead man. But no, it was a comment, <laughs> and it wasn't like a top comment. I just like I, you know. I'm a YouTube guy, you know this. Like, I'll yeah. scroll down and just see like what people were saying about this because this was what 2012, I think. Yeah, um, ten years ago. Well, yeah, Zoo. Yeah, D- Zoo was 2012. Yeah, and this because uh, Hysteria was the single. So he was mm-hmm. talking like, "Do we think this new Ceremony record's gonna be good?" It was before it came out, but that was like a comment that was like, and when Ceremony joined the the, the record, they became neutered. It was such like a, yeah. I, was, I think that that person feels like they said the. They they were patting themselves on the back. So oh, I bet. And here that. I am. Here I am. You know, their yeah, legacy so lives on. Finally, finally, <laughs> they get there. Uh, yeah, there. I feel like there's like. So I have a neighbor, and I think he 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 won't listen to this, so it's fine. But he used to do this thing where he would like make these like fake brochures, oh. and put them in like travel centers. So, but the payoff is really strange because. You're not there to witness it, yeah. But he he's done he had that's kind of like what his level of prankery was, like he would he would set up like flyers at venues when one of our friends were playing there, and potentially not even go to the show, but just kind of like have it like our friend like Dan Smith plays Wagon Wheel too would be what the flyer says <laughs> on it. So it's like when so basically it's set up in a way that like that specific person has to see it for it to even really resonate. Yeah. So so yeah. So people that do those kind of heavy lifting comment things, it's like, you're not going to get any payoff on this. So I don't really see what the point (laughs) is. You know, um, it's, it's really interesting. I don't know. I, it's like, sometimes it's like, I looking back at like their early career, I guess you could almost say I was like a hater, but I don't even think it was like that defined. It was Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I, I felt weird about almost anybody that had a strong opinion either way. Like if you were early on, if you were like a strong, strong ceremony fan, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, man, chill out. But, you know, and then like as people became like strong haters, maybe the same person, (laughs) you know, I was like, it's really not that big of a deal. And that type of person, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead, really came out during like L-shaped man. Oh, yeah. Like, and... Even so, because you mentioned Anthony Fantano, uh, like there was the Pitchfork review for L-Shaped Man. Have you looked at this? It got destroyed, right? Yeah, and so it was Ian Cohen, who has actually said nice things about my own band. Um, (laughs) I love Ian Cohen, side note. I I hope he's listening. I'm a big IndieCast guy. I love IndieCast. I wonder if sometimes, and maybe he stands by it, and I think like if you write something and you have like a strong opinion in a way, you should stand by it because mm-hmm. I don't know. It just feels like if you waffle too much, that's strange. But I I feel like that that album has aged better for me as I've gotten older. And oh, it yeah. really does feel like one of those things where it's like the Marty McFly uh, Back to the Future <laughs> thing. It's like, you know, you don't understand, but your kids will love it. You know, yeah. but it's just like me like five years later. And then like, because kind of getting in the spirit world now is kind of like oh this will pair well with you know with l-shaped man stuff like 
maybe I don't ride for like the whole album and I'm not even saying that I do or don't, but it's like, then you kind of create like a really good swath of a song list. That's not just like all songs that sound like open head. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause that, that gets kind of boring to me when it's like, you know, if, if everything kind of was either violence, violence, or if they just kind of stopped progressing at Runner Park, it's, it's strange to me. Yeah. No, because I think L-Shaped Man, I think it's, like, beautiful. Like, it's a totally different, like, mood, obviously, than Ronert Park, where you have, like, anger and frustration and, like, addiction and just you're trapped in suburbia. L-Shaped Man is, it's, like, melancholy. It's very much, like, it's, like, a seasonal depression, like, winter. Like, the first track, Hibernation, you know? And then I love, like, your life in France, your life in America. It's it's just it's hard it's just a melancholy record and i i yeah i dig l-shaped man and i i meant to re-read ian cohen's review but i remember looking it up when i first got into ceremony um which we've now deemed was 2019 and seeing that because i always i typically love ian cohen's reviews you know he's he's mm-hmm. big within diy emo and whatnot you know but to see him like yeah just you know and and yeah i don't think anyone really liked l-shaped man when it came out but to your point, I think it it was probably always pretty good, and right now, like that's like that's a record I'll put on and I'll, I'll enjoy. Yeah, like, that's it's not like a oh this came on when I was in the this is ceremony playlist. Like no, like I that's a that's a good record for me. It's a good a good winter record. So it's kind of losing its touch a little bit right now as we you know enter through March, but it's yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm looking at the. Uh, the review now and there there there's a part on it that feels so like i (laughs) there's this says uh there we have kirk van houten outen on the verge of a uh, calamitous divorce yelling at her dinner party crowd who reacts to his inept visual rendering of dignity with embarrassed silence maybe it's good for a laugh but only as a defense mechanism against the cringe-inducing experience of watching artistic expression abandon a heartbroken man at his lowest moment. Is how he ends the review <laughs> for it, which feels like it's just such like a punch in the stomach. Like, yeah, like it, it, it's. <sighs> I think what's been interesting is that a lot of times throughout their career, really even starting with Violence, Violence, and I guess I was in on that, it's like this band has been kind of almost like called out as a strong word. But they've been, you know, people were kind of like, oh, they're, it's like they're, it's like a costume party. Like they're kind of putting this on for this record. Yeah. But if they're doing it every record in a sense, then that is just truly who, like, because I think a lot of the writing is done by Anthony, uh, mm-hmm. their guitar player, Yeah, that it's like, this is truly just who this person is. Like, this is their expression of, like, their love of music is kind of, like, making their own version of it in a way. You know, so it's so to kind of just call it, like, almost like a tourism kind of thing, I feel like the, the review says, mm-hmm. like, feels like we didn't give it more credit at the time but you know i i may have said a completely different thing in uh 2015 like i feel like i remember talking to my friends like oh yeah i I get it and then i just didn't like go back to it so i think Mm -hmm. that like says something in itself you know 
So I don't know, just like kind of thinking of those kind of reviews at the time and then if people kind of like, I would wonder if Ian kind of like holds to that or if there's like any distance from that because it's like, of course, you can change your mind when you like yeah. say a thing, you know? Oh, definitely. So I wonder, I'm curious, you know? Yeah. But that's uh, a good IndieCast mailbag question for Ian. Hey, Ian, yeah. I dug up your 2015 review of L-Shaped Man and on Spinning Out Pod, we quoted you and <laughs> But. Yeah, I am. Mean, you know, maybe, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will. Uh, I'm writing it down as a note to myself. Um, so, okay, so, so, so we can get back into the record. I want to kind of whip us back to something you said at the beginning. With, yeah. uh, uh, I'm gonna get their name wrong. So, Monster, Monster Watch, Monster Watch. Okay, mm-hmm. so they were playing with the ceremony. Do you think that they were bummed out to figure out that? it was a different ceremony? Oh, 100%. It was like <laughs> like that first story was like, you know, the big, like, this is the band that we've looked up to. Like, they asked us to play this show. And and I'm thinking, like, how did you not, like, you know, I guess, like, you know, bands have the same name often. Ceremony isn't, you know, it's, it's not the craziest band name that there's only one. It wasn't like Mercury Rev. You know, there's probably only one Mercury Rev. Yeah, but for ceremony, it's you know it's like the word band name, but the tone in like of the next slide, and it was like show flyer like saying like you know it's a ceremony monster watch, and then the next slide when he uh, realized it was a different ceremony, it was like one of those like when you're talking to the crowd via selfie in your story, it was like selfie, kind of like blank face like yeah it's a different ceremony like oops still stoked for the gig though it was very much like. I would have He's deleted. He's very that. embarrassed. Like I, I would have been like, let's delete everything. I would know? have deleted it. Like it's, it's like I, I. I sometimes <laughs> when people leave those things, I feel like they, they'll say something like, like this happens at work with like social media stuff. Someone's like, just leave it. We got to be transparent. And it's like we're not the government. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> no, like it's, if we yeah. if we fuck up and we post the wrong fucking comic cover, like just like just delete yeah. it. No one, you know, it's like I would rather people not know that I said the wrong thing about Iron Man. You know, that's what it feels like to the caliber of like, just delete your story, restate. I've deleted and reposted tweets all the time because when you notice that that typo, you know, (laughs) um, the Twitter typo, you can't do it. It's in a story like it's fair game to do whatever the fuck you want forever and always. Oh, yeah. And it's only going to be there for 24 hours. So, you know, if (laughs) if you've had it up for eight, like what's the. What's the difference? Like, I remember I saw it. It was like six. I'm pretty sure it was six hours, seven hours. So it took him like an hour to kind of realize. That that makes more sense. Like, I feel like if you posted it and then like almost like within a couple minutes, someone responds. But you're saying there was a little bit of a break. But yeah. So I'm thinking somebody looked it up. And it might imagine if it was like the the ceremony playing and they were like, hey, like, no. (laughs) And then they're like, maybe they don't know of like. Ronard Park ceremony, and then they have they have their own identity crisis. I think I know what the other ceremony is. I believe there was a like a ceremony VA, and they were like an actual like shoegaze band, and Ooh. um and they were all in on the whole like they're called ceremony because um you know it's like from the Joy Division song, and not and not that uh, the ceremony we're talking about wasn't. But the person that got or that started this other ceremony would not have known 
anything about the hardcore ceremony is yeah. the main point. Yeah. Yeah. It so, was just it was such it a happens. funny but like to me, that's how I discovered one of my favorite bands was this very silly, just innocent, you know, goofy story of again, uh, a DIY band that I really was into. Um, and it was just it, it stuck with me because that's that's how I discovered ceremony. And you know, one day I'll, you know, tell them like, "Hey, how was that gig with ceremony?" <laughs> like, you know, was, you should. Um, they wanna, just yeah. that kind of look in their eye, just like a memory from so far away. Yeah, you know. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. So okay. So like I promised, getting us back into this record. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like, did you have any notes about any of the other track listing? Yeah. So I know I mentioned like. It's the strongest start to a record, and I think that's just because, you know, Sick, if I'm not mistaken, was released as a single without that, you know, the Into the Wayside Part 1, you know, the build-up beat. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think this record starts off so strong, 1 through 7, which would bring it all the way to Terminal Addiction. I even like the, um, it's Into the Wayside Part 2. It's like that very creepy, it's almost like how some emo music would use, like, the voicemail. You know, like, yeah. like the voicemail from an ex soundbite. This is using some very creepy storytelling of, I think, like a neighbor dying. It's very it's very dark and, and grim, but that's midway through the record. And I dig that track. You know, it, it's like three minutes. It's like three and a half minutes long, and it's just a very creepy story. But I really dig that. It's right after Open Head. Um, but I think, yeah, one through seven to me is very good. And then after that, it kind of breaks into just like, just straight up quick hardcore. Like I think after that, if I look at the timestamps from "Don't Touch Me" is about two minutes. Everything else is under a minute thirty until they get to the last track, which is which is actually Anthony singing in the last track. It's kind of acousticy track outro, and then it has like this six minute block of just mute muted silence. Mm-hmm. And if you listen all the way through, there is a looping thing at the end. Um, but that's, I basically just went over the whole record. But yeah, again, to me, oh, yeah, great. that top one through seven is just like, it's incredible. And I love what they did with, you know, the doldrums. Like that, it's kind of different for them. It was like that more like post-punky, but it worked. You know, it definitely wasn't like a hardcore track, but it really worked. And just the whole suburbia frustration theme you know, still in California, you know, everyone thinks great state California, but you're in just the suburbs and it's boring and every, everyone's the same. It's kind of like the theme of, of this record, which is why I love that it's called Rohnert Park. I didn't even know Rohnert Park was a city until I had heard this record and looked and looked it up. I was like, oh, they're actually talking about this city where the album cover is shot and where the band is from. Yeah, yeah, and I think, like, something I kind of mentioned to you about, like, there was something, it's not so much that I felt like my band around the time this came out, like, it wasn't like we sounded like Ceremony, but it was, like, it was interesting to me that I felt like we had kind of the same influences going into it, which, you know, which happens, but it was, like, everyone around that time and a few years earlier where if there you there was like a big black flag resurgence and i i don't really know why it's you know it's just i don't know i mean it kind of just went along with kind of the uh kind of fast punk stuff and then i think as yeah. kind of fast punk kind of melted in there was like a big noise rock era and i think that's like where 
like piss jeans kind of were really big during that time you know not that they're not still but mm-hmm. you know there was like this noise rock mix with uh you know kind of you know hardcore and then also like fucked up were in that territory and kind of shifting their sound around that time mm-hmm. so it was like a big influence like we were into like surf music and stuff and i know that ceremony like sites like the ventures is like an influence and you can yeah. kind of hear that especially as they kind of go on uh, but just kind of like thinking of being like on separate coast and you know just kind of like be like kind of trying to almost do the same thing independently yeah you know? no yeah. that's for sure and and i i remember i read or someone had said like no band starts off with a record like ronard park like that's typically like that type of record is like you started out being that hardcore band and then you've evolved. And I thought that was an interesting take how like no band would ever have a record like Ronard Park. And then I was trying to think of like, what bands do we know just sound like specific Ronard Park era ceremony? And it's only really like ceremony to me. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just... Yeah, because I think that when I, if bands... Because there are probably bands that I just can't remember, but... I think a lot of bands kind of aping the ceremony thing we're doing early ceremony because this is a record that I feel like you kind of have to not be a copy of a copy to do because I think that there's like an introspectiveness that people don't give this band. I think this record did well. Like I feel like a lot of like punks and stuff like everyone kind of like the, the, the album art is iconic. But there is an introspectiveness that I feel like allows it to be like a fully actualized record in of itself. That's not just like you're going through the motions of like hardcore how tos, you know? Yeah, yeah. So no, I think yeah they did the they did this one right, and it's I love that you mentioned how the album cover is it's iconic. I think it's it's like a standalone. I think now earlier you see more of like shots like that like a live shot and that's actually what i found out that's the bassist skateboarding and then across so the house not in the picture but across the street is where anthony lived so i think that's where the bassist lived anthony the guitarist lived across the street and one of the members shot you know shot that photo and cool story that i visited and this is the photo that i'm going to send you for the (laughs) the podcast you probably have seen it for the podcast um was a flyer it's me i went to the ceremony house i was going on like a weekend trip with my partner and i mapped out the route and i was like wait we're gonna pass ronard park i need to go to the ceremony house and it's literally it's on google maps as a place of worship it says like ceremony house place of worship and it's that that same house it's done you know a little painting but it's very much just it's just a house it's a house in suburbia you know, I had to get my pick there. And it's like, to me, like, it was so special to go there and, and see there where, you know, to the average person who lives in Rona Park, it's like, oh, that's just, that's just suburbia. You know, that's what it yeah. is. But to me, it meant so much to to be there in Rona Park, which is, you know, your typical American, yeah, American suburbia. It doesn't even feel like you're in California. You're just in the suburbs. Yeah. Do you think Rona Park is almost like the hardcore example of like american football house you know i that is a great analogy i think it's much more niche but (laughs) it's um i think so i can't think of any other 
hardcore houses, but you just reminded me of, to, to show how not many people know it, but when I had taken that picture, I tweeted it and there was this meme that basic, basically it's like, um, I think it's like two 18 year olds get married and they buy a house and they make a whole post like, you know, just turned 18. You might know where we're going with this. Just turned 18, um, got married, bought a house. God is good. What have you done with your life? I basically like copy pasted that statement of the picture of me at the ceremony house as if I had bought that house. Mm-hmm. And it like it said like, you know, just turned 18. I'm 30. And somebody commented like, you know, not everyone's as privileged and like to rub this in our <laughs> face. And I was like, oh, God. And it was like the first comment on it. And I was like, I got to delete And I didn't delete it because it ended up, you know, you know, I think when people Most knew people it. got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to comment like, oh, no, like this is ceremony's house. And it kind of ruined the joke. But, you know, to some people, they just see, you know, me just just some some dude, yeah. some guy standing out front of a, a house, you know. Who the I mean, internet, I was flattered yeah. he thought I was 18, you know. That's what I was going to say. I was like, one, I'm 30. Two, like, <laughs> but it's yeah. like the whole God is good. What have you done with your life? Like, it's such a, it's such a triggering status, but it's very much a meme of the Ceremony House, which um, I wish Ceremony saw that and, you know, gave it the RT. And then people were like, wow, that's, that's a good meme. At the end of the day, it was a good <laughs> meme. But Yeah. The internet is like, severely warp my brain to the point that like I don't really take anything serious like it it's like the jokerified thing it's like yeah I'll get to the point where I feel like every recipe video is like a meme in a way and memes not really <laughs> the right word but I'll use it yeah. but it's like I think I'm looking at a joke and then like then I'll watch it for a few minutes like I did this and I was I ended up watching a whole like cooking video my aunt posted before I realized it was my aunt posting it. Mm. So I thought it was like there was going to be some joke there. Yeah. And like she posts other stuff and I kept doing that. She would post like, make sure you watch your wheel wells. There's little kids sometimes hiding in them. And there was a picture of a little kid like in the SUV, like tire wheel well hiding. And I thought it was like a joke. (laughs) And it's like, I can't like, I don't, I don't feel like I can, post anything serious or respond seriously to anyone's post anymore unless i'm just 100 percent sure like they're like my friend passed away you know yeah like it's like it's like i don't know if you're being serious and so i'm gonna assume everything is a bit you know yeah um so i don't i don't understand like this person that just like responded in that way and also it's sort of like (laughs) where does this like you posted this thing that's kind of your win to them. It's your win. Yeah. But then to them, they come back at you. That's like, Oh, well, we can't all be as privileged as you. Yeah. And it's like, whether or not that's the truth, it's like, there is an element of like, keep it to yourself. You know, <laughs> that it's like, yeah. or like, like I if even you can't know... say anything nice. Yeah. yeah. Whoever commented, I don't even know them. And they obviously don't know me. And that was our first Twitter interaction. Like, oh, I thought it was a random, you know, had the algorithm will pick up a random. And then it's like, all right, haters going to comment. But they had followed, and this was under the Twin, Twin Peaks Sessions account, and they had followed Twin Peaks. And I was just like, don't don't ruin this meme moment for me. Like, you know, don't. I'm very happy with how this meme came out. You know, I, I finally got to go to the, the House of Worship in Roanoke Park. But But, yeah, that's right. That was, to them, that was my win that they were uh 
you <laughs> That's know. funny. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> so I guess a little bit of trivia um, with it. I don't know if it's trivia. We're not going to play a game or anything. But um, do you know... So Andy Nelson that plays guitar in Ceremony, um, he also plays in Paint It Black and also played in... Um, that was Anthony well, you life, saying, right? No, Andy... Well, Andy Nelson played... I believe when we played with uh, Ceremony, uh, Andy played bass. Okay. But Andy since has played anytime I've seen videos of them, like he, he plays second guitar. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so has like been their second guitarist for mm-hmm. you know years now. Yeah. Um, probably almost since like the end of the L shaped man, probably stuff that he started playing second guitar. And if I'm not mistaken, but just kind of an interesting dude that's like been around forever. Like he is like played in, he's played in lifetime, like filling in, for people oh. and i think that's what led him into being in paint it black like he wasn't like an official member he was like that kind of guy like okay i believe he also played with like blacklisted like when people couldn't show up he was just like a east coast guy yeah that would play with these bands and then was in was and is you know because paint it black doesn't play that often uh-huh. um anytime i saw paint it black like andy nelson was there so around the kind of time of zoo and really Rona Park stuff near the end of it, like seeing him step into his band, I think also probably had a little bit of hand of me getting in to them more because I feel like it was like, oh, well, this guy is, you know, this guy's legit. Yeah. You know, kind of stuff you do when you're younger. <laughs> so just an interesting tidbit. But he's just been a guy that I feel like has been around forever. Yeah. And I, I don't know if he like lives on the West Coast now or how that arrangement really works and whatnot. I think but... they're all sp- spread apart. Because I yeah. want to say when um, we mentioned Stephen earlier, when Ross was on Behind the Vinyl, I think the question was like, how do you guys still record? And it was very much that because I know Ross lives in L.A. I think Anthony is also L.A., but I think they're all kind of spread apart. And there was one East Coaster, which might yeah, have been might this be Andy. Yeah, which yeah, might yeah. be Andy. So because I think they all are spread out because I know for Spice, it's kind of kind of the same thing or maybe no maybe spice is more localized la because um i think now since michael moved to uh michael bingham moved to la so that's right i think that might have made that yeah i think that might have made that arrangement a little bit easier but you were also going to say something i know there's another ross project but i always like oh crisis man the, yes, that's which the is one. like yeah. maybe earlier ceremony, like kind of kept up. Yeah. If you like the early ceremony and the hardcore stuff, Crisis Man, which, by the way, happy belated Bandcamp Friday to you and yours, sponsored by Epic Games, um, <laughs> Fortnite skins. Yeah, I um I pre-ordered the because Crisis Man is strictly Bandcamp, and I always uh-huh. like, I always like that sometimes when it just has that like, oh, I can only get this on Bandcamp. Which sometimes me, punks will do like a strictly YouTube thing. Oh yeah, no, that's when you die. Yeah, a lot of like older stuff too. Like, dude, there's a um, there's a mix. I know we're talking about Blink One Eighty Two earlier, and probably too much Blink One Eighty Two on spinning out no, has been good. discussed today. They're a West Coast band. Yeah, they are a West Coast band. It counts. Yeah, it counts. There's a version of the song "Mutt," which is without Travis Barker. It's with Scott Rayner, and that is only on YouTube. And I have it saved to a YouTube playlist. It's called like songs that slap that are only on YouTube. And it's very much like strictly YouTube songs. 
which you can't find anywhere else. And it's a similar like idea of when it's like Bandcamp exclusive. I don't know about you, but I am so much more likely to like buy the Bandcamp exclusives because I always feel like if I buy something and then it's on streaming, like if I'm not getting the physical, if it's just digital, mm-hmm. it always feels not like I'm cheating myself because, you know, you want to support the artist, but I always, I'm just more inclined to be like, oh, this is Bandcamp exclusive. I got to add it to my collection. And that's yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll fall for that stuff. Like I, I think like a good rule of thumb, which I probably won't do it personally, but if, if for anyone that uh, is courageous out there, put it up for like a couple weeks just on Bandcamp. And I think that, you'd probably like benefit well with direct sales, I would assume. 100%. Um, you know, but the, the trouble that I always would be worried about a band like ceremony wouldn't have to worry about it or even probably crisis man is that you're like, you know, people just don't end up listening to it. Cause they're like, well, if you're going to make me go through these hoops and you know, yeah, <laughs> then I, I don't need it. But I understand that kind of feeling like when something is exclusive, um, it does make me feel like I'm like, Ooh, I better pick this up, you know, because like when it's everywhere, you're like, it really kind of hissed. It has to hit me in a way that I'm like, I have to purchase this thing, even yeah. though like I buy records, but it's like it, you know, a bunch of things fall through the cracks. So making some kind of exclusivity on it, you know, I'll fall for it every time. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I am, and I, I love the, I love the name your price. It's just like sometimes when I see like digital album ten dollars that ten dollars digitally can intimidate me me even just outing myself that i'm cheap but like i love when bands do the name your price like counterintuitive records would always be like everything's name your price like just download it or throw money if you want and i always felt like that model works because people would be like oh i love this label like i can name whatever price i want i'm gonna name 20 bucks 10 bucks where if you have the the immediate hard digital number it's more intimidating and it feels like, oh, this is very exclusive and now it's elite. It's 10 bucks, you know? I, I don't know. Hmm. Mike, <laughs> do you work for Epic Games? I'm wondering. Do you work? So, wait, did you see... Uh, now I'm just, like, rehashing my old tweets. When I tweeted the um, that Twin Peaks Sessions was a 36-month-long sociological study conducted by Epic Games. Yeah. <laughs> we have now... Well, uh, we have so, now- <laughs> Is Bandcamp okay? Where Bandcamp is a West Coast company, right? Or they have yeah, an office out there? Uh, Oakland, yeah. They have their Bandcamp HQ is in Oakland. Very nice, uh, nice facility, and they started doing like sh- live stream shows there. Yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, so I guess they're West Coast overall. Hmm. Uh, well, I guess if people want your, uh, what do you think will end up happening with the Epic Games Bandcamp thing? I don't. We never have breaking news on. The, yeah, on the no, because that's a few weeks late. I don't. I mean, if anything, like the good thing is that they just become very well funded. Like I read that, like now that Epic Games is in there, and Epic Games is something with a T. T N. It was like Tenor. Someone else who owned like forty percent of Spotify also bought into Epic Games. Epic Games, you know, the whole corporate jargon but i think that because bandcamp has so many features and updates they need to do where they just added the queue feature i don't know if you've tried it like you can queue up a song it sucks it just like if you play because some of the tracks i bought are like singles if you play a single and try to queue up something else it just it either crashes or you can't queue up like another single off an album you have to queue up the album 
So like even as something as simple as building a queue is still shoddy where you obviously mm-hmm. can't make a playlist. Um, and like if they want to compete with Spotify, which, you know, I feel like they had their moment when Spotify, you know, when Neil Young single handedly took down Spotify. <laughs> But it was all, but it was all a trick because he was really just shilling for Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it was all um, a ploy to join Amazon. But when Spotify was, you know, getting its bad press, like that was the time for Bandcamp to step up. And maybe that's what really spawned this Epic Games merger, is that they feel like they can compete with Spotify. So I think there could be, if we look at it optimistically, I think using that fat budget that you just you know inherited like yes there's going to be some weird crossover i'm sure with video games in the e-store and all that and I'm, i bet like music in video games like i'm sure some licensing stuff could benefit some bands um but yeah. i think with as long that as you money, set up your publishing exactly yeah. i think with that funding and and having epic games to back you like i think it could really help you know just Bandcamp develop and then people are like well I don't want to give big tech my money. And and then it's like, then you go down to the rabbit hole of like, well, I don't want to have that conversation. Like if anything, I think it will help Bandcamp. I don't think Bandcamp is going to totally, you know, be like, okay, now like, cause I think the fear is like, okay, I buy a track for $5 and then it's, what is it? 80% goes to the artist, right? I think typically when it's mm-hmm. not a Bandcamp Friday, and then is it like now is it seventy yeah. percent to the artist because there's an additional cut, you know, to to split it? I think that was a fear for people. Uh-huh. I mean, it might be, you know, but it's like, uh, I, t- <laughs> it's hard to complain about because it, it also, yeah, I know something I I know I've said on the pod. It's almost like when people complain about winning money on the lottery, and I know they're not the same thing at all. So anyone <laughs> listening, like it's like. It's like, just hang on for a second. You know, it's like, we, we, you know, people will be like, well, if you win 100000 in the lottery, you know, they're going to take like half of it. And it's like, you yeah. didn't have 50000 to begin with. Yeah. You know, so what, it's a win. So like, you weren't making money off of streaming anyways. I It annoys me, yes, personally, mm-hmm. like when it annoys me personally whenever like you get that little statement from Bandcamp and they say hey we took everything <laughs> you know <laughs> oh but, it's like, like we were accumulating your um like you get your merch sales but then you you sell like five dollars digitally and they take everything because they were holding on to a certain amount of dollars because like we gave you everything for the merch but digitally you now owe us that five dollars and your payout is you know seven cents I've, yeah, I've, I've but it's that. like everything technically comes out in the wash. I mean, it's like it's a conversation of just like taxes. So like anyone I feel like that really strongly complains about it. I'm like, have you never paid taxes? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, what if the tax bill was kind of like you're like, oh, damn, I'm, I'm getting all this money. But then like every six months they're like, hey, we took this whole check because <laughs> you owed us. You know, it would suck. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of like you're just kind of complaining about taxes. I know we're talking about a record that people bought for like 10 bucks. So it's a lot different than winning the lottery or paying taxes. Yeah. But if you can kind of use the same mindset, it's like, this is what you signed up for. Yeah. That's the thing. And then kind of back to like what the end result will be, you know, I hope something malicious won't happen, but it's like when we're comparing, when we're comparing things like Amazon versus Spotify and then even title, cause it's like, they don't have their hands completely clean on all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's like, 
there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. So it's like, yeah, maybe it's just the next best thing, even if it isn't a perfect thing. So I, I generally haven't like said much about the Bandcamp stuff because it's sort of like, you know, I, I'll go shop at Target. You know, you can't, yeah, you can't get away from it if you tried. And there's not really anything better if anyone says that they're gonna create a new Bandcamp. They don't have the recognition, which is kind of like back to like, you know, a band like Ceremony can probably put something exclusive on Bandcamp easier than like, let's say my band could, you know, so I would probably feel more of an effort that I'll just put it everywhere because I was never really going to make any money on it anyways, you know, so it's like, yeah, Bandcamp is just the best there is right now. It it would be nice if, if they were even a slight contender, you know, it's like if they could do the queuing up you know, queuing stuff better, playlisting better, um, but have like a UI that really pushes, which they do, um, the idea of like buying things. Cause it's like Spotify almost could have won those wars in a way. Like if it was set up in a way that you could almost set up a shop, you know, even if it's simple as it links you somewhere else, like a UI, which they kind of have, and it's like merch bar, Yeah. but none of that's direct through the bands. It's through like distributors. So Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it seems like what we're kind of asking isn't hard, but no one's done it. I don't know. Maybe we, let's do it. Let's do it, Mike. Let's do it. Yeah. No, you're right. Because <laughs> Spotify tried that uh, at the end of your rap and be like, you listened to, I think I had Deaf Heaven was like a top artist. You listened to Deaf Heaven more than 10, whatever percent, like support them here's their merch table or merch bar <laughs> and i was like it was just kind of like just felt like an ad for like a deaf heaven sweatshirt um yeah and it's also so far past that point yeah. you know it's like if it's a rap thing it's like oh yeah remember a year ago essentially you listened to this band a bunch do you even listen to them anymore here you should buy the thing yeah now <laughs> it's been a year let's buy that sweatshirt you know it's it's i don't know i thought that was like oh great but then it's like you have to have the whole is it merch bar or I say merch table? That's very much not an ad. I, but. I think it's merch bar, but I'm not gonna. It's uh, one of those. Bet yeah. my money on it. But yeah. but yeah, um, I guess like well, okay. So we went through all the tracks on this record, and um, we did. What what else? What else would if you think ceremony is listening to this out uh, this episode? Um, what okay. would you say to them? I would. I would say thank you. You know, I would, and I got to say, I I saw Spice, and then for those, so Spice is Ross's, I guess, different, it's like, uh, it's hard to describe Spice. It's like maybe gloomy alt-rock, but if you like Ceremony, I think you'll dig Spice. Anyway, I got to shake Ross's hand, and I just said, like, hey, thank you for all the music you've made over the years. Something as simple as that. So I would just probably reiterate that, because to me, especially Ronert Park, just it's like it br- it it brings about like anger and frustration very well and like a po- it's like a positive outlet this this record like it very much talks about like like the song sick it's mm-hmm. all the stuff that they're mentioning is still relevant today when it's like you know sick of like politics and sick of like police brutality and just sick of really humanity is kind of like where that song goes sick of everything like that song I think still gets people amped and like it still lets them release their anger and just gets people moving like that. I think this record holds up. It's still relevant today. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think they really wrote, even like friendly, you know, the doldrums, like living in suburbia is the same. And then like terminal addiction, like addiction issues are still rampant. Like this this record, I think it really holds up where it aged, it aged well. And I think a big question, which I'm curious your take on, do you think this is like a classic hardcore record you know which is now over 10 years old do you think come 15 20 years like this record will hold up and we'll be celebrating like the 25th anniversary of ronert park and people are sharing you know how important this record was then and how it grew now like i i think yeah i think it is a classic. i think so and i think i'll be that annoying person that will be like oh but you should check out zoo you know but, <laughs> oh, like... but have you heard hysteria <laughs> And Fantano's <laughs> review of it, and this one yeah. comment. No, <laughs> but I th- I think so. I mean, it's got an iconic cover, and like the record sounds great. I think it's like a good kind of entry point into them if you're into like heavier music. There's so many. They're an interesting band in that respect. It's it's almost like you could say, like what? It, well, what do you like? And then kind of tell the person like the record that they should listen to. Title mm-hmm. Fight kind of has that. Yeah. in a way too you know like they had enough of a scope that you're like well do you want something a little bit closer to shoegaze or do you want kind of more pop punk thing you know so it's interesting in that respect that kind of part you can get into it and i guess you could jump off too uh but yeah runner park will definitely be like a record that people will talk about more what i worry about that kind of conversation is even even if i tend to do this too i think it gets a little strange that um, like, I feel like people get kind of stuck in listening to older stuff and you always should. And, uh, but, but they like, it's like times aren't really progressing with like what's new or even like, this is a 10, really 12 year old record. Yeah. And I feel like it's like whenever it's like when you talk to like people that are in the like classic rock and it's like, well, what have you listened to in the last like 50 years? You know, <laughs> and then people will be like, no good music happened after the after 2000. Except Greta then Van I'm, Fleet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if I be, it's like I don't believe that, you know, so it's like I, I'd almost want to know at this point, like. What are kind of the ceremonies of this time i mean i i love that last record and i think i hope that they kind of keep growing with me you know yeah but it's like what is kind of the new ceremony in a way and not like not like it has to sound exactly like it but it's kind of like moving people in that same way they were at the time yeah and honestly i feel like i mentioned military gun before but i feel like if military gun followed that same ceremony path which they kind of bled into like you know maybe more like guitar based like how spice is like military gun to me is like the current band that is playing kind of Ronert park era ceremony maybe mm-hmm. i don't know i, I think in the in the band. way that like they're the the influences like ian's pulling from like mm-hmm. i was kind of mentioning earlier with my own kind of musical journey it's like I think that's where it's pulling from. So it's not, it's probably not necessarily, and Ian probably does like Ceremony, of course, but it's like you're kind of pulling from those same influences and trying to like think about like how you update them to the time. So yeah. so I'd agree with you on like Military Gun. I do like kind of the trajectory a lot of the musicians that are kind of in this Ceremony orbit that have gone on, you know, with things like Spice or 
you know, kind of laterally, like things like spiritual cramp, all of those yep. people mm-hmm. that are like, I guess you could say like X or current hardcore dudes that are just not completely content to just play hardcore because it's like, you've done it. You'll probably do it again, mm-hmm. but let's go off in a little other direction. And I really respect that. Cause I, I feel like I resonate a lot with that musically. You know? Oh, me too. No, I love that. What is it like hardcore guy to shoegaze pipeline? Like, <laughs> you know, that yeah. that's a very real thing. And I love it. You know, when you think of bands like anxious and modern color, they're like, they mm-hmm. have the hardcore elements, they have the shoegaze elements and that, you know, curse the knife, like bands like that. I, I love that. What um, I would say to any, if you're in those type of bands and you're listening to this, I mean, most all don't take any advice that I say. So I'm going to give some <laughs> advice. Um, do kind of like what Anxious is doing. And I feel like people don't, I, I for as big of a band as they probably are, I wish even more people were talking about Anxious because mm-hmm. I feel like from people that kind of came from like a hardcore background, they are, they are trying to almost like push away from it, but you still hear it. Like if you... Like, even Modern Color, it's like, I want to hear what, like, the next record sounds like. I want to hear, yeah. like, when they get even a little bit further from it is the point. Mm-hmm. And it's not like what they've done is bad. Like, those are both great bands, but it's like, you know, push a little further out of that comfort zone, you know? And I think it's kind of scary for people. It's like when bands kind of stop trying to be emo bands and they're just, like, <laughs> rock bands, you know? And it's like, yeah. that's fine. Just do it, but put everything into it, you know? And I want to see what, like these next records for a lot of these bands are that are kind of like they're pushed even further from hardcore to mm-hmm. just kind of like, let's make a good record. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. I, I think sometimes whenever you're kind of like both feet, you're kind of one is forsaking the other potentially, you know, yeah. there's a lot of great examples. I think the new anxious record is great. Mm-hmm. Um, even like stuff like webbed wing. It's like, as, oh, the, yeah. as those people get further out of like being, in hardcore or that world and i know they have like super heaven which was kind of pushing it out in a mm-hmm. different way too um i think that's where a lot of the more interesting things kind of start happening yeah webbed wing is uh that's actually a great tour package it's i think it's spiritual cramp webbed wing and there's someone else that i feel like we've mentioned uh um, angel dust angel dust we didn't yeah, mention but similar didn't, but hardcore and now it's, you know, a little They're more... actually a good example of that. I feel yeah. like the more, to me, I love, I love, love, love those early Angel Dust stuff. But, like, oh, yeah. it's like they're giving me a completely different thing. And actually similarities in a way for Ceremony, even though it's like they're not, like, younger people by a lot, you know. Um, but, like, I feel like Angel Dust, the more they push out of it, they're giving us different kind of things that I'm very excited to kind of yeah. see what they do. Like. You know, I, I think they've gotten better as they've like pushed out of it in the same way that I, I actually think some of my favorite like fucked up material is within the last few years where they've mm-hmm. just gone completely <laughs> off the script with like being a hardcore band. You yeah. Know? And I think it's like they kind of push like, oh, we got to get our foot out of it even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, these are all great examples of, you know, that bands to me, some people say, oh, they changed, you know, but this this is evolving. This is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like we can't keep expecting people to kind of like make their own version of like 82 through 85 hardcore or like early 90s like power violence stuff. It's like when those bands do that, you know, it's like even though like Regional Justice Center, I feel like they play a lot within, you know, that idea of like sounding like Crossed Out or Infest. But even they're like, yeah, but what if we made the recordings 
good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, and so it's like, then you're kind of getting something new in that thing where like, oh, I can hear everything. So this sounds like not recorded in like a tin can, which yeah. can be the fun parts of power violence. But mm-hmm. it's, it's not trying to kind of like, you know, that idea of like when you purposely make something lo-fi, but you had the resources in front of you to not do it. And so yeah. it can be a complicated thing where it's like, I've recorded lo-fi things over and over again. But it's like, you know, it's like, is it honest or dishonest kind of mm-hmm. thing? And will you feel that in the in the music? I don't know. Yeah. I'm saying a lot of things. No, no. Yeah. These, this, this, all, this is all resonating with me. Especially whenever I hear the word lo-fi, I always think of the band Sebado, which I know was, mm-hmm. was on my list of maybe records to talk about, Sebado's Bake Sale. I just yeah. have this vision of Lou Barlow in the 90s with glasses when I hear the word lo-fi. But. Well, and even in that time frame, it's like any of the stuff that were lo-fi at that time, it was it was a lot that was still like it, it was a lot harder to kind of go into a studio like with yeah. with laptops in front of you that can give you like albums that you can make an album that sounds way better than most things that came out in the 90s that weren't major label stuff. Yeah, It's strange to kind of go back to like you know, kind of doing things on tapes. I understand what the experiment is, but it's, you know, it's for the sake of just doing it for that, you know, um, it would, it would be strange if like even Sebado was like just recording off of a tape and like <laughs> multi-tracking things. It's like, you can go to a studio, man. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Lou. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I guess what I want to get into now is so where we, and I kind of want to like talk about, where we met and like kind of where you are now because you recently moved from San Francisco back to New Jersey. Correct. So I'm kind of thinking back to like how we met, you know, Twin Peaks sessions and, you know, I guess before we get into that, you know, thank you for having us. Like that was an amazing experience, like playing, I guess one being in San Francisco for the first time for me ever. And also like playing on something that just felt like a roof that just felt so like, quintessential san francisco was like such an experience so yeah. to start off with that you know thank you absolutely yeah. thank you yeah for... hey, but that's like how we met and i think maybe you saw one of my bands before that or you know I, i'm not sure like i had seen you guys at at fest well okay so with you moving back to new jersey i guess i'll say mm-hmm. what do you think the future of twin peaks will be it's a great question something i think about often and part of me was like when i move just just like shut the door end the project like i'm not in san francisco it's you know we don't have the apartment we don't have the roof just shut the door end it but i felt like it was still momentum had still been building and it was buzzing especially amongst the bay area so it was really tough to move and again the move was rooted in you know just personal life things happening i had done i felt like i had done my time in in sf which was you know five and a half years but with twin peaks like we still have we still have some backlogged sessions that i still need to edit and post and we still have like these great connections with like bff.fm which is the local community radio station that we partner up with to put on shows um, like real you know live concert shows and then i have my radio show with them so that i'll keep up doing and you know, we've got people on the ground. You know, I want to shout out uh, Robert Sandless of the band Spurts and Tom of the band Damper that want to kind of keep up 
you know, the Twin Peaks Sessions project and do some shooting of their own. So, because we've all done, you know, shoots together in the past, and they are like, they're like, yeah, like, we we want to keep this up, you know, like, if you want to do, like, the remote booking and we can, like, you know, find bands we like and we want to film, we can still do that. And I was like, yeah, you know, we, we can. And it feels, because I'm very hands-on that when I want to book a show, and it's already happened once now that, like, we had a show booked and I couldn't be there. I was already in New Jersey. This was, like, last week. I felt so bad to not be there, you know, like to book these bands and not be there. I felt like that, you know, that promoter that no one sees, that's just, mm, you know, yeah. I, I don't like that. I never thought of myself as a promoter when it came to the, the booking shows uh, form of Twin Peaks session. So that I think will either be something I need to get used to or something I need to decide like, do I want to do that? Cause again, I, when I book a show, I want to be there. I want to, help the bands either at their merch table, help at the door, whatever. But to be the remote booker is not, it's not exciting for me. And I think it takes away from what I loved in DIY, which was literally doing it and being there. Um, so for that, it's still up in the air. You know, we have a show at Gilman um, that had been on the maps for a while, which we finally got to announce because Gilman just announced their reopening. And that show is going to be on March 20th. Um, with the touring band No Lungs from Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, so I still want to be able to help kind of touring bands book stuff in the Bay Area, but I also want to maybe even start doing stuff on the East Coast, you know, bands that, you know, like, you know, Julian from Common Sage, like we got to do um, a session with with Common Sage, so, and, and Julian's out in Brooklyn, and I got to see, see them live last week and kind of talk to him and then talk to uh, Chris Johns, who plays in the band Stay Inside, who's also in Common Sage, like, they're all people that I've met through Twin Peaks, which are on the East Coast with me now. So kind of picking their brain on like, hey, like I'd love to do like shows out here or even do we can just, you know, we call it off peak whenever we filmed mm -hmm. away from the roof. You know, I want to still be able to do that and contribute, but it's still where it is now is like that identity crisis of like, well, I moved and I did that whole, you know, goodbye to people, but we still have stuff we still have content and videos to post and we still want to record more, but it, it almost, I guess it feels like a new chapter, which, you know, there's reason to be optimistic about it, but it's very, um, it's like, it's almost like a day by day. Let's see how it goes. Like I definitely want to do stuff on the East coast and still help out on the West coast. But like I said, I, for me personally, I need to be there to feel most like kind of like thrilled about the project and just feeling like this, means a lot if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah and i hope that you know like it stays the west coast version of it like stays intact in some form even if you ultimately if you have to kind of hand it off you know I, th I think that's like a hard thing with like booking shows myself i used to do it a lot more but it got to a point you know that it was like i kind of got to like just let a younger generation like do it you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna figure it out and and i think sometimes like personally like removing myself from the equation was kind of like hard for the ego because it's like people will figure out how to book shows like they didn't need me to do it you know the, your, yeah. your situation's like a little bit different where it was like it's definitely 100 percent, or you're not not 100 but it's like it's definitely a lot of your thing yeah. You know, so a little bit hard, but I wonder in a, in a sense, it's like, 
if there's some like younger person that maybe wanted to take the kind of mantle and you feel like they'll do something good with it, you know, there might be a new life of it that, yeah, you know, doesn't involve, you know, Mike Donnelly. Yeah. You know? Cause I, feel and that like, might be a good thing. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's, you know, it's like, it's like my baby. And then it's like to not, you know, I want to, I want to be there for it and like see it grow and develop in real time. And so it's, it's yeah, very but much... those, and I guess that's where those might be two different thoughts. Exactly. So, TBD. But again, we've still got some more sessions, you know, to post in the queue. More memes, you know. If anything, it could turn into a, a meme page. A meme page, you know. <laughs> well, a, I'll I'll definitely keep following. There's it. always that, you know. As long as the, <laughs> the content's coming, you know, I think there's yeah. there's still optimism and you know a reason to be excited for for Twin Peaks sessions. And at the end of the day, like all the sessions, you know, that have lived on and, and, you know, like field medic and Spanish love songs and heart attack, man, like for people to revisit those, you know, for years to come, that is super exciting, you know, to see those sessions become older. Had you heard of, uh, like pink couch sessions? No, I I was thinking of pink elephant or is that a session? No, I don't know. Uh, Little elephant, little elephant. I don't know. Pink couch. No. Uh, check out Pink Count Sessions. Um, it's very interesting. It was really like people playing songs on a couch. It was like just yeah. This was actually probably 2010. I mean, it would I think like Lemuria did some and kind of bands of that time frame. Yeah, uh, would kind of do a stripped down session just on a couch and probably they stopped when someone moved out of the house or <laughs> yeah. got a different couch. You know. Yeah. So sometimes they do, and I feel like every once in a while, like someone will kind of repost them and it kind of takes me back. You yeah. Know, so it's like, even if Twin Peaks became a thing of a certain period of time, I think that's, that's, that's great. You know, like you yeah. want that kind of memory to live on and you want people exactly. to discover it in a different way. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of the reason I think even like having this conversation around like ceremony, it's like you go, if you know, you either take it for what it is and kind of, move forward with the band or in terms of ceremony, it's like you kind of go back to that one specific time in your life and revisit it like we did today. That chill of like, yeah, that's a great point. Like with, you know, just like we're revisiting ceremonies, Ronard Park with Twin Peaks sessions, you can revisit those. They'll pop up every now and then. And then that memory of that time and that, that song that was, you know, recorded in, in that quintessential San Francisco environment, like that's, that's still going to be there. And I think that, yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's, it's there. It's <laughs> there forever. I think that's a perfect way to end it. So where can people find you online? Yeah, for sure. So um, at Twin Peaks Sessions will be the Instagram, um, and then it's too long for Twitter. So if you want to see my controversial privileged memes of me in the Ronert Park House of Worship, that is at Twin Peaks Sesh. And then uh, weekly on Twin Shrieks Radio, BFF.FM, all of that is archived on the BFF.FM. Literally, that's the website, BFF.FM. So that's the radio show. And, um, and yeah, on YouTube is where the sessions live in full. Just a, a click away, Twin Peaks Sessions. Like, comment, and subscribe. Well, thanks for joining <laughs> me today. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Spinning Out. Welcome back. Thanks again to Mike for coming on the pod. Check out Twin Peaks Sessions for past and upcoming episodes. Okay, next time on the pod, we're talking with Braxton Marsalis, 
of the band Zulu. They're currently on tour with Sasami, and they also have shows with Gulch and Drain. Or, if you're listening to this after the fact, never mind. We talked about Portishead's 1994 album, Dummy, and talk a lot about prog rock. It ruled, so tune in. Once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do that sort of thing. Reviews definitely help. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>